Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll continue in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verses 7 through 14. The title of this sermon is The Son, the Scripture, the Holy Spirit, and Salvation. Here's the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. His peace, His joy, His love, His mercy. That's an inheritance that He's given to each of us. No matter what the circumstances are. And, and, and I think sometimes we're looking at that and we go, in suffering, even then, there's joy, there's peace, there's His love, there's His grace. We may not see it at the time. But again, He uses the word predestined. And we talked about that last week as we in him also we've obtained an inheritance being predestined and predestined uh, everybody has been chosen everybody has been elected everybody is predestined but you by your free will have to choose to confess your sins and ask christ into your heart and choose him to be your lord and savior it's it's your choice and in isaiah 46 10 it says declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times uh, things uh, not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. It's God that will accomplish His will. And it's through His Word, and it's through His Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus, because the ages begin. As we see being predestined, we're, it's according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. It's to His will. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 2-4, through 4, gives us a little bit of insight on this. It says, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ, and for the sprinkling with His blood, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. God has an eternal purpose for you, but He also wants you to understand that eternity starts here. Like he has, he has things that He wants to do with you here. When you're His, it's like He's, you follow me. You're mine. 
And, and we talked about that this weekend again, just all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. It's, it's, it's His and it's for His eternal purpose. Why am I allowing that to happen? Because He's a lot smarter than I am. Right? He's infinite. I'm finite. And we don't trust Him. I don't get that. It's like, look, I, I could sit in the parking lot and go, I don't know what we're going to do. Let's go inside. Let's figure it out. Let me get in the car. I'm going home. We'll just try this again next Sunday. No, people are here because they need the Word of God. People are here because they need to be fed. It's not about you. It's about my will, God's will, for them. They trusted me, got up this morning in faith, and came here. Just as you did in faith, knowing that there is going to be a place for you to teach. See, we always look at it in, in, a, in a context of, how could you be in here? How could you do that? Why are you over? It's like, no. It's, you're, you're looking at the superficial. You're not looking at the eternal. What we're doing here, it, it, it's, again, you're, you're, you're being spiritually fed so that way this week you can go out and be Christ-like in your marriages and your families and at your jobs. Something that warmed my heart this week is to hear somebody that was going to have to work today. And it's funny because I just made him a sound. I was like, you're going you're gonna to be in charge of sound. And, and as soon as that happened, uh, we're going to have to work Sunday. But he, he said, hey, I, I need to be, you know, like, I, God would want us to be with him. And so they pushed it off to tomorrow. You know how much of a step of faith that is to tell your boss, hey, man, uh, I've got church, bro. We want that. That's what we want. That's, 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 it's like this is our, we want this. This is where we want to be. And, and it's, it's to accomplish His purposes, His will. His love. I, he has no idea, but what he may receive here today may speak to another brother at work this week. What he receives today. You don't know. Like, I don't know. My son got a brand new car. He jumps in my car and drives all the way to Divine because I want to put mileage on my car. And I'm like, well, whatever reason, you're here. I don't know why, but it's his purpose and his will. I'm like, we should be riding in that newer car. Eating tacos. <laughs> But it's the reality of it's like it's it's understanding that it's for his purpose. We serve an unchanging God. And he loves us. And there's nothing that you can do where he's going to love you more. There's nothing you can do he's going to love you less. But he loves you. And he wants that relationship with you. And he's like I got a purpose for you today that's going to impact eternity. You can't see it. But you have to take that step of faith. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, I love that verse as we pray. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That should be our view as we look at our lives. It's your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. See, it, that's where you get into that weird phase of, well, I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm good. No, that's not, God has so much more for you than just that. That's awesome that you've said the sinner's prayer, that you've confessed your sins, you've asked Christ into your heart, but it's like you have an eternal purpose. Like, where you work, you have no clue. Like, where God has you, where you work, that's where God is going to use you. For some odd reason, everybody thinks, well, I'm supposed to be a pastor, or I'm supposed to be a worship leader. 
or I'm supposed to serve at the church. It's like, no, you serve at your job. You be a light at your job. That's where God has called you. Yes, we want people on the prayer team. Yes, we want people to help out on Sunday and Wednesday and all that wonderful stuff. But in Christ, God has such an awesome plan for you. But you have to step out in faith and, and trust it. Verse 12, it says then, uh, that we who trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. You've trusted Him, now glorify God. That's what Paul is saying when he's doing the doxology. He's speaking glory. Do you speak glory with your life? Are you turning people from Christ? I, 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 man, I truly believe as we look at this last little point here is that we, we see a bunch of young kids at Ashbury now at Sanford, Alabama, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, people that are young adults that have decided we're going to worship God, we're going to share Scripture, we're going to confess sin, and we see the older folks coming alongside of them and praying with them and being with them. And I, I, I love, my thing is, it's like I'm all for the worship. I think everything we've seen so far is everybody's just ecstatic that they're hearing worship. And I'm like, that's how you're supposed to sound every Sunday. We go to a men's retreat, men sing. They get in here, no voice. They're like church mouses. Like, we'll go to a men's retreat, and it's like, like where is this coming from? <laughs> but it's the thing is, is, a lot of stuff that's been posted has been the worship. But I'm praying that the word is being given as well. Because what does worship do? As Roman, Roman shared with us that hammer that he shared with us yesterday. It's like you worship is, is ushering you into the Word. So hopefully they're getting the Word as well. And David Rosales said, we don't know if this is a, a revival yet until we see the fruit of it. Meaning that we'll see it spread. And then eventually there'll start to be this great awakening of people coming to faith. And that's what we're praying for. This is what our nation needs. As we have a, a network that my father worked for for 31 years. CBS and Channel 5. CBS allowing demonic worship for five minutes on the Grammy stage. And worship is still going on. I think it's over nine days now at Ashbury. It's still happening. But you know what the funny thing is? And this is what really trips me out. People are driving and flying to Ashbury. God is where you're at. You want that to happen in divine? God is here. You don't have to get in a car and drive all the way to Kentucky. I see people like, oh, I just had to be here. And I'm like, that's awesome, but why not start it where you're at? We trust Him. It's we who first trusted Christ that we should be uh, to the praise of His glory. And then finally, we look at the last point here. And in Him, we, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I love this because He says, In Him you were also trusted after you heard the word of truth. Again, the Word of God is the Word of God that transforms life. It's not worship. Worship does not transform life. It's the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit. Worship is awesome, right? It, but it, it, can, it can lead to an emotion and a feeling. But it's the Word that penetrates the heart down to the marrow, separates it, and convicts you and lets you know, hey, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Colossians chapter 2, again we see in Him, uh, as it starts off in Him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, 
In Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. It's the word of truth. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, Assuming that you heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. That's why it's important as we see revival, if it is revival, the Word of God has to be taught. It has to be taught. The, the gospel of, of your salvation, in whom also have, having believed. You hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that Christ died, was buried, and rose from the dead. In Ephesians, where you have to remember that the good news was finally given to not just the Jews, because the Ephesians were Gentiles. They received the good news, the Word of God, and it was salvation. Maybe Simpson said this as he talked about the gospel. I love this. It says, Tell rebellious men that God is reconciled, that justice is satisfied, that sin has been atoned for, that judgment of the guilty may be revoked, the condemnation of the sinner canceled, the curse of the law, law blotted out, the gates of hell closed, the portals of heaven opened wide, the power of sin subdued, the guilty conscience healed, the broken heart comforted, the sorrow and the misery of the fall undone. That's what salvation does. And he says, In whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Christ's work on the cross that all people who come to faith are promised to have the Holy Spirit reside in them. It's the Spirit's role to perfect righteousness, not yours. Your, your job is to pursue it. It's the Spirit's job to perfect it. That's, that's what the Spirit's job is. And it's, it's the Spirit's job as we look at the life of a believer who believes in faith that is sealed, and that seal is the same uh, with the, wax, the, the hot wax. They had the engraved lettering, and they would stamp it while the wax was hot, and then they would seal it to the letter so it wouldn't be open. That's your seal. You're His. You've been marked. You belong to Him. That's who you belong to. You've chosen to follow Him. And I love this in John 14, verses 16 and 17. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. In Galatians 3.14 it says, the, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. There are three things that happen with the Holy Spirit. You have the, the pre-conversion, which is how the Holy Spirit ushers you and shows you that you need a Savior. You didn't come to that on your own. You didn't save you. Holy Spirit showed you you needed a Savior. And that's through repentance, through conviction. And we know that then, then we have conversion. And you have the indwelling Spirit in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. And then the sealing of the Spirit is what we're talking about here in verse 13. But post-conversion, 
what did we do now that we have the Holy Spirit in us? We're to continually fill, be filled with what? The Spirit. And he tells you that in Ephesians 5.18. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. It's the Spirit that, as we are continually filled, it sanctifies us, and we're in the sanctification process. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all with unveiled face, behold as in mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It also illuminates and brings light. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that might understand things freely given us by God. And then finally, in, we have prayer. The Spirit helps us pray in in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication to the end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So you have the Holy Spirit. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 14, as we finish up, it says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory? In John 19.30 it says, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the spirit. So it is guaranteed. Jesus defeated death. He was resurrected. It's guaranteed. That's it. It's finished. There's nothing else that needs to be done. So when somebody tries to add something to it, it's wrong. It's a false teaching. When they say, Okay, you need Jesus plus this, it's wrong. All you need is Jesus. And, and, and because you have the Holy Spirit in you, there's a down payment that's already been made for an eternal commitment. The Holy Spirit resides in you and God goes, you're my child, you're my child, you're my child. And He goes, when, you're, when your sanctification's up, because when you, when, you're, when you leave this world, you go into glorification, meaning that God has prepared you for heaven, you're done, you're ready. Come on. And that's what he does. He draws you to heaven. And, and it's like a promise of an engagement ring, meaning that when Jesus sees you, he goes, man, that's mine. They're mine. She's mine. He's mine. And there's the promise of eternity. So this is why we had this conversation. That, uh, I had this conversation with the pastors at lunch the other day. As we talked about the redemption purchased possession the the praise of his glory you're talking about it you were purchased at a price it was what jesus did on the cross and and it's the difference of of understanding that many people know god but it's knowing him intimately knowing him intimately that's the difference many people know god but they don't know him intimately and, and, and what I mean by that is, like we talked about that this past Wednesday, we talked about the way of Cain, and, and one of the things in Exodus 33 is, is it talks about the, the people of the nation of Israel. God's done at this point. He's like, you know what? You're going to go up against all these Canaanites, and I'm going to take them all out because I'm going to send an angel before you, and you will have the land of milk and honey but I ain't going with you. Now, that's where a lot of people are with God. Meaning that I'm okay with that. 
You mean I get the land of milk and honey? I'll take that. I'll take that deal. But what it is, is like knowing God intimately was what Moses did. Because Moses, Moses in Exodus 33, a little bit further up in the chapter, Moses is like, I'm not going without your presence. I'm not moving. Because he knows he can't lead this people. The only reason they're still alive at this point is because of God, not Moses. And that's the difference between knowing God intimately, like I need your presence. Like you have the, the Holy Spirit inside you. You can do anything that God gives you to do that places placed on your heart. He'll give you the wisdom and the prudence. He'll give you the direction. He'll show you His will. All you have to do is trust Him. And yes, there's an inheritance that happens when you get to heaven. And it affects eternity. But we have to trust it. We, we glorify Him as we do it. So the question is, is do you know Him or do you know Him intimately? Like, do you go, you know what? I, I, I can't take this job without His presence. I need, like, Lord, I need to know what Your will is on this. Am I to go to the left or am I going to the right? Am I just to hold up right here? It, it's, it's, you know, again, this is a beautiful piece of Scripture. And, and as we sit over these next three chapters, we're going we're to sit, we're going to walk, and we're going to sit, walk, and stand as we go through the book of Ephesians. And Paul is trying to give you, and he's doing the same thing he did to the church of Ephesus, which was young people in faith. He's trying to encourage them, hey, you need to live your life for Christ because you have the Holy Spirit inside you. And all those Old Testament people, right? All those Old Testament people like Moses and Elijah and all of them are going to be like, man, what was it like for you to have the Holy Spirit? Because a lot of times when it was given to people, it was given, and it was given or it was taken away the way it was with Saul. Saul had the Spirit, but then it was taken away. You could lose it. You're sealed with it. You're sealed. You're chosen. You're His. Live like that. Live in that freedom. There is freedom in that. Not freedom to sin. Freedom to know that grace abounds. And like, look. I, I don't know. I, at the end of the day, I love the opportunity to be able to teach and go share with people. And I, I you know, I see young parents and what do I have to offer them about being a father? It's like I told him, if I was to tell him the 39 years of what not to do, Mike knows that. He grew up in that. He knows the mess that it was. But I can tell you what it is to walk in Christ. And people don't understand, like when they go, well, how is the marriage slave? Or how are the kids doing? Or what are they, ha like how did that change? We read the word of God and we go, okay, that sin in our home, that has to go. That's how it happened. It stinks, but that's, you know, at the end of the day, you're going, you know what, I, wanna, I don't want to live that way anymore. That's not what we're going to do. You're reading the Word of God, you're being obedient to the Word of God, but you're applying the Word of God realistically in your life, in your marriage, in your family. And when you don't do that, that's when your marriage gets all jacked up, that's when your family gets all jacked up, because you're like, I'm, I don't have time for the Word of God. How do you not have time for God who saved you? who pulled you out of the muck and mire and set you on the rock. And you don't have time for the God who created the, all of this. Not this, but I mean all of this, the creation. 
right? I don't know why they made this in the 70s. It's, every house I ever went to in Alabama had this. But the reality of it is, is like we, we, we serve an infinite God who said, you know what? I'm not, I, my son died for you, but I'm going to give my spirit to you. And not to walk beside you, not to walk in front of you, but be in you. The Spirit of God takes residence in you, in every believer. And there's power in that. There really is, but you have to be connected to it. And so many Christians aren't. Again, if you want to know God or know God intimately, I'm not moving without His presence. And, and I wasn't going to be one of those guys that were like, oh, my tickets, <laughs> I got my ticket to heaven. I'm going to Hawaii. I'll see y'all later. That's not how this works. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio, pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. Uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it.